This episode of Recommended is sponsored by You Bring the Distant Near by Metali Perkins. An own voice's storyteller, Perkins speaks authentically from her lived experience about race, immigration, and American identity. This rich, multi-generational novel alternates between five distinct yet connected teen voices across history to produce an emotionally resonant and eminently relatable narrative. You Bring the Distant Near is available now, and we'll tell you more about it later in the show. This is Recommended, where we talk to interesting people about their favorite books. This week, we're joined by Celeste Ng discussing The Count of Monte Cristo. This is a book that I've probably read maybe 20 or 30 times in my life. It's been an interesting mirror to me as what I hope is my maturity and theoretical adultivity um, of starting to see the world in a slightly more complicated way every time I come back to it. It's been this sort of yardstick that I come back to at intervals to sort of see where my own sense of self and sense of the world measure up against this sort of constant thing. And Tara Clancy talking Richard Price's The Wanderers. And I have a writing degree. You know, I didn't I didn't know that, you know, you could just sort of write in your authentic voice and that there was value in that until I read this. And I went, wow, that made me realize that, that my voice was missing. It also made me realize that I wanted to write in my voice. Um, and then that, by the way, isn't always so easy, you know. <laughs> But that I wanted to be able to do that. And so, um, yeah, I really set out to, uh, to write my book after having read The Wanderers. Celeste Ng is the author of the best-selling multiple award-winning novel, Everything I Never Told You. Her second novel, Little Fires Everywhere, is now available from Penguin Press and explores family secrets and intrigue in suburban Ohio. My name is Celeste Ng, and The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas is my recommended read. This is a book that I've probably read maybe 20 or 30 times in my life. I picked it up because my sister, who's a bit older than I was, was reading it, and I somehow stole her copy, which is like a little paperback bantam classic, and I see that she paid a dollar for it because it's got that written on the front. So the book is a classic of French literature, just a classic in general, I guess. It's about a guy named Edmond Dantes who is betrayed by his enemies, and he's imprisoned in this island prison off the coast of France. And while he's there, the prisoner in the next cell kind of finds him and teaches him and educates him. And he breaks out of prison after, um, I think, like 14 years and goes back to wreak revenge on the enemies who put him into his prison. And so he's got this decades-long, really intricate plan of revenge And of course, it doesn't go exactly the way he expects. This is a book that I used to take with me whenever I traveled. Um, And every time I went on a trip anywhere with my parents, then when I got older in high school with my friends or in college, I would just bring it with me and I would just reread it over again on every trip that I went on. So it's it's a book that's been with me for a long time since I was about 11. And I still reread it now and again. One of the things that I love about this book is that the things I like about it have changed at different ages. When I first read it as an adolescent, I was really into the love stories. And Valentine, who is one of the sort of minor characters in the book, and Maximilian, who have this sort of thwarted love affair, were my favorites. I remember in French class, we had to pick French names, and I picked Valentine because that was the name of this character that I loved. And I was very into the main love story in which um, Edmund, the main character who becomes the Count of Monte Cristo, and his fiance Mercedes are sort of torn apart by by him th- getting thrown into prison. 
So that was my favorite for a long time. And then I got older and I saw it as this story of power. It was sort of a power struggle in this man who was trying to play God and ranging every sort of little bit of the chessboard so that there was only one way that the rest of the game could play out. And then when I got a little bit older yet, I interpreted it as a story about a man who's sort of seeing that it's not possible for a human being to play God, that there are always going to be things that are larger than you. There are always going to be things that you can't control. And there are always going to be mistakes that you make and you can't prevent yourself from making those mistakes. And so, you know, it's been an interesting mirror to me as what I hope is my maturity and theoretical adultivity um, of starting to see the world in a slightly more complicated way every time I come back to it. It's been this sort of yardstick that I come back to um, at intervals to sort of see where my own sense of self and sense of the world measure up against this sort of constant thing. There's another minor character in there, Eugenie Danglars, who is the daughter of one of the people that the Count is trying to exact revenge on. And she runs off with a friend. She's supposed to marry this kind of rich guy. And she runs off with a friend who's a woman. And she cuts her hair. She uh, dresses in man's clothing and she takes on a male name and they run off together. And when they're discovered, they're found sleeping in the same bed. And this kind of went over my head as a kid. And when I got older, I went, oh, that's why she says in there, oh, I've never been interested in marrying any man. You know, I was, I was like, oh, very, very subtle, Alexander Dumas. <laughs> but um, that's, again, sort of, it's interesting to, to come back to a book that I've read so many times over so many years and find that I'm understanding it differently. You know, I interpret that relationship differently than I did when I was 12. And obviously the words are the same. And so what's changed in that has to be me. So that's been one of the joys of coming back to this book for so long. Before I came on the, the podcast, I was thinking about which book I would recommend. And I was really hesitating over this book because this was a book that I felt I had a lot of things to say about. But I was like, well, do I need to recommend this book? Like this is a, it's a classic it's not like Alexander Dumas needs like a plug. Um, you know, I feel like his legacy is pretty set by now. And also, do I need to recommend a book by a canonical old white guy, an old white guy in the canon? And then I thought about it somewhere and I remembered something that I hadn't known when I read the book, which is that Alexander Dumas actually was not white. He was mixed race. And his father was famously a mulatto, as they called him. He was like the mulatto general of the French army. He was one of the first people, he was, I think, the first person of color to become a general in the French army. He was the son of a black woman who was a slave and a white French nobleman. And that had affected him his entire life. And then he had passed on a lot of those concerns to his son, who was then Alexander Dumas. It's funny looking at this copy. It says right in here, where is this? He was born on July 24th, 1802, uh, the son of Napoleon's famous mulatto general Dumas. That's the only thing it says. And then it goes on to talk about the rest of his life. I was like, oh, actually, it would be interesting to reread this book now with the knowledge that that was the background that Alexander Dumas came from and see if there are signs of that in the book, if that in any way was a concern of his while he was writing this book. It's interesting now because I feel like race is a, an issue that I think a lot about and that is very much in our cultural consciousness. To look back at this, which I had always thought of as, you know, canon of Western literature, and think, oh, actually, 
race is a part of that as well. I mean, it's a part of even books that are written by white men, but that in particular, this is written by someone who is of mixed race. And how does that affect how he wrote it? How does that affect how I read it now? I have not shared this book with a lot of other people because I feel like it's a little bit of a hard sell in some ways to say, oh, you should read this book. You're going to have to read it in translation. It's this this old classic. It was written a long time ago. It's very long. It's very complicated. You should probably read the abridged version. You know, that's that's not the best way, I feel like, to start off. I did give this book to my husband because he always saw me taking it with me on trips. And so at some point he asked if he could read it. And so he did. And I just... I pitched it as a book that was an adventure, but that every time I came back to it, I read something differently in it. And that seemed to sell him on it. Thanks again to Celeste Ng for joining us and recommending The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. Ng's novel, Little Fires Everywhere, published by Penguin Press, is now available wherever books are sold. You can hear more from Celeste at celesteng.com. Fierce Reads is the exclusive sponsor of this season of Recommended, and they are hosting a huge giveaway for Recommended listeners. So go to FierceReadsRecommended.com to enter for a chance to win a bunch of great books. Included in that giveaway is today's featured title, You Bring the Distant Near by Metali Perkins. Immigration is an important issue in our lives, and this novel beautifully illustrates how difficult it can be to navigate the delicate balance between maintaining a family's cultural heritage and developing an American identity. Alongside exploring cultural identity, it features female relationships and the universal themes of love, loss, and finding your identity. It's a timely read, not to mention one that would make a perfect pick for your mother-daughter book club. You Bring the Distant Near is available now wherever books are sold. Tara Clancy is a fifth-generation native New Yorker, third-generation bartender, and first-generation author. Her memoir, The Clancy's of Queens, chronicles her childhood and coming of age and captures the rarely heard voices of New York's working-class women. My name is Tara Clancy, and The Wanderers by Richard Price is my recommended. I was actually given a copy of another Richard Price book, um, Lush Life, which had just come out. And I, I guess, you know, so this was in the 2000s, uh, whereas The Wanderers came out in 1974. So it was his most recent book. Somebody had given me a copy of it. I was not even a big fiction reader. I was a bartender. And, you know, I did some artsy stuff and some writing and some things and some performing. But I, I think my friend basically gave it to me because the book was set in the Lower East Side where I lived. Uh, and it took place uh, at the 7th Precinct where my father had been a police officer. So, you know, my friend was kind of like, you know, you might like this book. And they were right. Uh, I loved the book. And then I went to the back to the bookstore with, you know, this copy. And I said, I want anything written by this guy, Richard Price. And I was in the uh, in the, the Strand, the used bookstore. And so there was just, you know, all several beat up different titles. And I came across a seven buck beat up copy of The Wanderers. And I had no idea what it was. And I basically went back the next day to work and I was bartending a day shift. And I figured it would be slow. You know, the places that opened at 10 o'clock in the morning and you just have a handful of guys in there at any given time. And so I start to read this book and thank God it was a slow shift because I was just sucked in. And I think, you know, at one point I was basically not making any small talk with customers. I was, you know, I was just giving it the old, you know, what'll it be? And I was like one handing the book. Uh, while, you know, sliding beers over the bar with my other hand. I was like, I just was sucked right in. And the reason uh, is just that 
it was basically, it felt to me like the voice of all my father's, my uncle's, um, and for better or worse, it's a very intense book. Uh, the characters are sort of, it's sort of partially autobiographical. It's about Richard Price's sort of youth growing up in the 60s, uh, in the projects in the Bronx. And so there's some harsh language. There's a lots of racism. And the book makes no bones about it. It really it captures. It doesn't filter, you know, this time. But for me, it was, you know, just this real, this real version of my father and my uncle that I had never seen the likes of that before in, in a book. And it kind of brought me back to being a kid. When I was a kid, I used to try to eavesdrop on my father and my uncle. So they told like the best stories ever. And they would, you know, gather around these tiny little kitchens in Queens, you know, overfilled ashtray, you know, little pyramid of empty beer cans would be forming on a summer hot day. And they would just sit in there and they would tell stories. And they were these raunchy, amazing stories. And I would try to eavesdrop on them. And inevitably, I was always caught and I was always shooed out. You know, my father would say, like, this isn't for kid ears. Get back outside to play. And I would pout and I'd leave. And I'd have tried this, you know, a million times when I was a kid. And so reading this book was like getting to stay in the kitchen. As much as I loved this book for what was in it, I was sort of equally struck by what wasn't. And that was the voice of New York's working class women. I was like, wait a minute, you know, I was like, this is amazing. This is really gives me a real sense of what my father's young life was like. And it is, you know, it's about a group of guys. But as soon as I was done, I went, you know, wait a minute. I, I never, there's no female characters in here. Come to think of it, have I read anything about, you know, characters like my mother, like my grandmother, you know? And so I went back to the same bookstore when I finished The Wanderers and I went to a clerk and I held up my copy of The Wanderers and I said, I want to read something just like this, but by a woman. And I could watch, you know, the wheels turning and the in the clerk's head, you know, like time froze and we both kind of just stood there staring at each other. And then all of a sudden he just said, me too. <laughs> P.S. It doesn't exist. And I was like, wow, you know, what, well, what do you mean? This book was written in 1974. And so, you know, and this was, you know, whatever, with the mid 2000s. And I'm like, what do you mean? In all that time, there's been nothing. And we start brainstorming, you know, what was the last, you know, sort of working class New York woman that wrote a book kind of about us? Uh, and we gathered up all these other clerks and then we had, like random customers in the store. We're like, well, wait a minute. You know, everybody kind of wanted to like out book nerd each other. Like surely I'll come up with the answer. And we all ultimately agreed. Usually people get this after I've talked about it for a while. But basically the last book was uh, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Uh, and that book, uh, you know, is this year 73 years old, um, which is more than my mother's lifetime. And so I stopped and I went, oh, my God, you know, my mother has never appeared in a book in her life. That voice is really uh, has, has been silenced. Somehow, you know, this book, between reading The Wanderers and then realizing that, you know, a tree grows in Brooklyn and at 73 years old was our last representation. Those two things kind of combined made me decide to write my book. I didn't have a writing degree. You know, I didn't know that, you know, you could just sort of write in your authentic voice and that there was value in that until I read this. And I went, wow, that made me 
realized that, that my voice was missing. It also made me realize that I wanted to write in my voice. Um, and then that, by the way, isn't always so easy, you know, <laughs> but that I wanted to be able to do that. And so, yeah, I really set out to, uh, to write my book after having, having read The Wanderers. Because I always feel like I am a kind of a relic, right? There's the working class in New York is disappearing. And so I feel like this is a good place to start. If you really want to understand my ancestors um, and my father's generation and the people who were left and the people who I'm a product of and then sort of, you know, realize that the women's voices are missing, you kind of have you can go to this book, you know. I, I do. I definitely do recommend it. Although, again, it's it's harsh. It's it's harsh. It's it's a book that really it shocks people. But I think, you know, a lot of it feels fairly true. And, you know, you get the sense from Richard Price sort of pretty autobiographical. I reread it a million times. And it's one of those books that I always keep around when I'm writing. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't know if other people do this, but when I'm writing, I sort of have some books. And when I hit a moment of block or whatever, I'll just like pick a chapter. This book is kind of, it, it could almost be a collection of stories. So I'll just pick a chapter and, and reread it. Yes, definitely. I read it, I don't know how many times we, if we could calculate it. <laughs> I went to a screening um, they they screen it like once a year at a little art house theater in near me in, in New York City. And I went and I saw it and Richard Price was there and I totally geeked out. Um, and I've met him before because I, you know, I'm a, I host the Moth main stage shows and I've told a lot of stories on the Moth and Richard Price has told a lot of stories on the Moth. And so I've met him at like a Moth event. Um, but I, again, I saw him again at this screening of the Wanderers and I always, you know, I go up to him and I'm always like, Mr. Price, your book changed my life. And he's like, Clancy, I know you've talked about it, but you know. <laughs> Thanks again to Tara Clancy for recommending The Wanderers by Richard Price. Her memoir, The Clancy's of Queens, published by Broadway Books, is now available in paperback wherever books are sold. You can hear more from Clancy on Twitter at Tara Clancy NYC. Thanks to Fierce Reads for sponsoring the show on behalf of You Bring the Distant Near by Mitali Perkins. Be sure to check out the recommended season one giveaway at FierceReadsRecommended.com. Next week on Recommended, we're talking one nonfiction read and one dark and twisted fairy tale. The cover is this beautiful painting, kind of in the style of a Victorian painting of a horse. And it's supposed to be like that, but it's a picture of a person who's wearing a, a bridle and is posing sort of like a horse would in this very sort of bucolic environment. And I looked at it and I was just like, what the hell is this? It's so disturbing. Mm-hmm.